The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Hello and welcome to the Insurance Coffee House. Today I am really delighted because I don't have one guest, I have two guests for all our listeners today. So absolute pleasure to have Todd Campbell. Susan Graham from Builders Insurance join us on the show today. Todd is the president and CEO and Susan is the chief of staff and it's great to have you both dialing in from Atlanta, Georgia this morning. Welcome to the show guys. Thanks Nick. Glad to be here. Great to have you both on the show. Really looking forward to hearing more around Builders Insurance and some of the great work that you've been doing there over the last few years. Before we get into that, though, as ever, we are in the insurance coffee house. It's Friday afternoon here, but it's Friday morning over there, stateside. What's your go-to coffee of choices this morning, guys? My coffee of choice is what you might call an Americano, straight coffee with a little bit of milk. Very good. And Todd? Black coffee, Nick. I'm a big fan of Costa Rica, but my wife and I travel a good bit. And so we're always looking for the artisan roasters, and then we subscribe to them, try to support the local team. And that's kind of fun. And then having lived in London so long, got to be a pretty big fan of Monmouth Coffee. So when I back for work in London, it's pretty much a black coffee. Yeah, guys, it'd be great to start off hearing a little bit more about your own career background. So would you mind sort of just sharing with our listeners so they've got a little bit of ground and perspective of the career journeys that you've had? It's a kind of three parts. So for about 10 years, was a merger and acquisitions lawyer here in Atlanta and a political affairs lobbyist for insurance companies and healthcare companies. So really cut my teeth on the insurance space, but thought I would be a lawyer forever and made partner at one of these wonderful law firms and was really fortunate to have a good run as a lawyer. But I always found myself wanting to build a business and didn't really know how to go about it. But I said yes to being offered the CEO job. And it was a small regional carrier, which we grew up and ran at for about 10 years. And then a number of years in London, running a UK-based MGA, working in around the Lloyd's market for a long time as a Lloyd's cover holder. And then back to the States about six years ago, leading a US company, just had made partner and thought I'd be there for the rest of my career and was buying a insurance company for a client and about to close that deal. They called in the middle of the night and said, would you like to come be our CEO? I was 34 years old at the time. And I thought, wow, if I fail miserably, at least I'm young enough to go back to rebuild my law practice. Thankfully, I went pretty well and, and grew that company up and then went off to run another one here in the States, and then was invited to move our family to London for a number of years. So we did that. We picked the family up out of America and went over to the UK for a good number of years and was just life-changing, one of the best gifts of our lives. And then after that, about five years of that, uh, back to the States about five years ago, actually, uh, to lead a UK-owned company here in the States, uh, which we built up to be one of the kind of leading front program management companies. And Susan, who you'll hear from in just a moment, was on my team there and as a host of other folks, brought all those folks over with us uh, to here. And so about two years ago now, was recruited to become the CEO of Builders. The office is about 10 minutes from the house. And I actually did a little bit of legal work for them 
30 years ago when we were formed, when I was a very young lawyer. And so it all has come full circle. It's just been a fantastic journey between being a lawyer and then now running insurance groups. So it's just been a wonderful time. Thank you for that, Todd. It's such an interesting journey. And we've interviewed several practitioners who are lawyers, whether that's in claims or, or on the acquisition side of things. And I think it does lend really well to moving into insurance. That must be a huge decision for you at the time, you know, being a partner of a law firm there, being asked to come in and run an insurance practice. For anyone who's sort of listening out there now might be weighing up big opportunities like that. What would you say to them? I would say, say yes. People talk about the power of no, of course, and the power of no to decline work and projects and things like that. But I have always found it really powerful for my career to say yes. It has worked out essentially every time I've said yes. And when we made the choice to go overseas, I asked my wife, we've been together 30 plus years. And she said, I want us to go because I want to be 80 years old saying, remember when, not why didn't we? And it continues to prove out every day. Great advice. Really inspiring story. Susan, I know you shared part of that journey, obviously, with Todd. Could you give our listeners a little bit of insight into your career and the time before you were working together? My journey has got three parts as well. And a great lead-in is Todd's suggestion and recommendation to think about saying yes, because that's how I ended up working for Todd. I said yes. But <laughs> I started my career um, out of university in traditional corporate banking, a bank in Chicago, Harris Bank, that is now owned by the Bank of Montreal, and spent 18 years um, in that organization as a corporate banker and ultimately an investment banker and met my husband and made a move to Atlanta where um, I worked for what is now Truist Bank here. In my career, I have worked with companies from a small privately owned business all the way up to Fortune 500 companies like McDonald's. That was my first phase. Then I took um, about 20 years off to be a full-time mom, but also never do nothing. So I joined about every committee I could at their school, um, did a lot of volunteer work and served on a couple of nonprofit boards. My children, one was in college, one was driving himself and they didn't need me anymore. So I started to think about what I wanted to do in the next phase of my life. And somehow some of my friends here in Atlanta, who are acquaintances of Todd's, must have known that. I don't think I ever told them, but they somehow suggested to him that he call me. And he did. And we talked a little bit about what I could do to help his executive team that was located here in Atlanta at the time. And I said, yes, have enjoyed every moment. Every day is different. In the role I started as an executive assistant, found ways to contribute outside of just the executive assistant role. So um, just recently made the change to become the chief of staff here at Builders. Likewise, similar to Todd there, big decision for you coming back into the corporate world after 20 years off that must have been a really big decision there are you know particularly mothers who are now looking to return to the workforce would you have any advice for them around picking their new opportunity the first one is you just have to kind of take that job It, it is not easy I think I tried to stay a little bit abreast of using tools like Excel and Word. I have to say I had to teach myself Outlook because I had not used that at all. You have to be willing to not be good at something for a while and learn. And so it's taking risks and seeking advice and not shying away from asking questions either. And I'm sure a lot of the work that you did, committee work, charity work as well, kept those tools nice and sharp. 
Todd, moving on to the business now, Builders Insurance, perhaps you could give our listeners an overview, you know, what the business does, where you operate, a bit of a snapshot of the company at the moment. So Builders is a 30-year-old captive mutual. So we're a bit of a different creature. We're not a full mutual, uh, and yet we're not fully public or owned by shareholders, of course, so, but was formed out of what was a crisis in the early 90s in the southern states in America, a workers' compensation crisis. So our traditional market, Nick, is the small to mid-sized construction company building homes and small commercial projects. And so that's been our bread and butter for 30 years. We've honored that and grown up from really $100,000 in business to today, about 280, almost 300 million in annual premium. About a billion one under management in assets, 340 plus million in surplus. We've been A rated for a long time. So we're really proud of what our history has been. And we've, we've served that market, our original roots for those 30 years. We've never shied away from difficult times. I've always been a good part of the insuring community here in Georgia and the Southeast. So today about 181, 182 employees. Six companies in the family we've acquired since I joined with Builders in April of 21. Uh, we've acquired two new entities and a surety carrier with the treasury listing, which we think is important for the future as we get into the spending pattern on the infrastructure bill that was passed here in America a couple of years ago. And then another workers' compensation carrier north of the South, so to speak, um, and one state carrier. So we have an appetite to continue growing through acquisition. We've got a very powerful balance sheet. For a company of our size and history, we're delighted where we are. And I'll close that out, Nick, with saying we always want to be ready for the future, whatever is thrown our way. And so one of the tools that I wanted us to have, the company didn't have, was a mutual holding company structure. So we've since restructured, I think it's one of the fastest restructurings in America in our segment. And as of January 1st or so, we we are a mutual holding company structure that allows us to have a share ownership type structure or shares to trade that a traditional, as we call them over here, a C-Corp, a traditional for-profit company would have. And so now we've got that essential piece for our future to go and acquire other companies in a trading shares and cash, what have you. So we're ready for the future. We're delighted where we are, but we've got a lot of good work ahead of us. I know a big thing for you is around people and culture at the company, that certainly the, you know, the cultural aspect of the business. Why yeah, was that yeah. such a big and important issue for you what was important about that that you thought that you needed to make some changes and address some issues at one of the best parts of being a ceo at least from my view is the ability and the chance to impact people's lives at a, at a pretty fundamental level people should have a decent place to work not every day is going to be great because it's called work for a reason but we ought to fight really hard to deliver a good experience and, and build a great company together so when i was interviewing for this position builders was seen as a very kind of traditional mutual. And uh, it did have a pretty fractured culture, I have to say. It was known in that way. Very good at what it did and still does. We're excellent at but our claims and our underwriting. We're, we're solid in that regard. But internally, it was seen as a place to retire from and not a place to come to. In the 30 years, the company's never won any employee recognitions, things like that. And I just believe in fundamentally a high impact cultural change type leadership, very servant-based I did that when lived in UK, was recognized as a high cultural uh, impact leader there, awarded a couple of things. Here, I love walking the four corners, seeing our people, speaking with them, 
uh, I'm the last of nine kids. And, and so you're either beaten up by your brother or you get along with them. And so mm-hmm. I try to get along with folks. I think the style would be firm, but fair. And just had to work very quickly on knocking down some silos, pretty late, but deep COVID still. And that's awfully difficult onboarding in that process and that mm-hmm. time. But just getting together with everybody, walking the full quarters, it, it did need some significant cultural uh, change very quickly. Mm-hmm. Folks needed to know they had a good, safe place to be. and The company was going to change fundamentally. So in speaking with the board, I did say, if you want to continue the traditional way, and that's fine, that's the board's choice, do not hire me because I will disappoint you and you will disappoint me. I did say, if you want to turn the company on its head and completely fundamentally change it from bottom to top, top to bottom, then maybe I'm the person to help do that. And I was delighted when they selected me to do so. Todd, thank you for that. Sure, there'll be lots of listeners, lots of insurance leaders listening today who have got businesses with very long tenured staff, probably have a good reputation for doing what they're doing, you know, underwriting claims or whether that's at a brokerage. But it's very difficult to change a culture, you know, with people being there so long and for things to be so ingrained. What are some of the initiatives? What are some of the programs that you've had there to try and address and resolve those issues? Great question. Part of it simply is tone from the top and walking the four corners. And early on, there would be people who would walk up to me and say, in the 10 years or 15 years I've worked here, I've never spoken so much with the CEO. And I said, well, you may like that or not, but I'm not going to stop. I do love a good chat with folks and and just talk about their lives and their futures. And I wanted to build, and we continue to work on that, a, a good, sensible place for people to build a wonderful career. Insurance is just one of the best uh, industries ever to do so. So a couple of things, and I'm going to ask Susan to comment on some of the teams we've built, mm-hmm. but really a long listening tour of what matters to people. And and now we've actually got a wall of gratitude up and, and folks can put sticky notes about what matters to them. What are they thankful for? And it's just so fun to see. I'm, thankful for my dog. I'm thankful for a coffee machine. I'm thankful for a solid job. It's really fun to see what 180 people to comment about. And and every day there's a new sticky on there. It's just been so fun. But we we used a tool called Motivosity to engage our people. Uh, It was really helpful during the pandemic to connect folks. So we found that we weren't connecting very well. And that's underway. And then town halls, we've got to communicate. So my kind of 100-day plan was we've got to communicate on a very continuing basis. Really, nothing's off the table. Our team needs to know how we're doing financially. This is their life too. And and they've got to go home and put food on the table. So these things were essential. And one of the other things is that we were lacking was deep engagement in what matters to us as values. Selfishly, I want us to be very engaged and, and deeply connected to the community in which we operate right here in Vinings, Georgia, which is you know downtown Atlanta, is just through my window here, but it's a small little wonderful little suburb. And we're still quiet and quite unknown despite being a pretty sizable company. So Susan has been in- integral in helping us build this community effort. And Susan, would you comment on the three groups that we've built and how we got yes. there and what we're up to with that? Many listeners are probably familiar with what is commonly known in a lot of corporate organizations as employee resource groups or employee impact groups. So we didn't have any. And late last year, we began to talk about you know the need to do that, to form them, and particularly to make sure they were composed of employees, not management. 
and employees throughout our organization. So we kind of ask for volunteers for three different teams, and they are diversity, equity, and belonging, our green team, and what we call Builders Gifts Back, which is our kind of corporate philanthropy effort and volunteer effort. Those committees now meet probably once or twice a month, all generated ideas, and we've executed a few. We held our first International Women's Day panel discussion in uh, March, and our green team had an effort locally to clean up a, a local riverbed area. More importantly, we've sponsored a Habitat for Humanity build, building a home here locally in our top county where we're located. We have a team of 25 that will be building, I believe, erecting walls and windows on June 17th. So that's the first time we've done something like that. Finally, um, we have a green team focusing on sustainability, both internally and outside of our office. All really fun to be involved in. And I think it's empowering for our employees to feel like they are playing a role in something that's important to not just our company, but also our outside community. A couple of questions just to follow up on that. Fantastic to bring in these initiatives. You certainly need the buy-in from your team, from the employees there. Was that something that was a difficult adjustment to make? Or was that actually something that they were really longing for anyway, and actually take up was very easy? I think it's something they were longing for. It's a slow process because I think some were like, oh, it's going to be, you know, executing on things that senior management is telling us we have to do. We've worked hard to say, no, no, these committees are for you to have your voice. And then, you know, we'll run it up if necessary. We'll run it up through our senior management. But sometimes we've just gone ahead and executed on a few things um, that are you yeah. know, within our budget. And I do think it was something that was people were longing for and needed. Yeah. And it's helped yeah. break down it's a little bit of the silo. We still have those interdepartmentally, but I'm already seeing the, the impact from it. They were longing. And Nick, you know this about high-performing cultures. And when you get that groundswell of activity, when folks can believe, and I think Susan's right, there's skepticism in a new leadership team and things are completely different in many respects here. So there's a different type of energy and they needed to see and wait and watch. And I don't blame them. That's certainly perfectly normal human behavior. Uh, and now uh, the momentum, you can feel it, the groundswell, and it's just off and running and it's so fun to watch. We have a, a gift matching program here that the company's had for a long time, highly underutilized which is heartbreaking to me because we love to give into lots of different things. And now you can feel that happening too. And so uh, we actually increase the limit to drive more support from our people. And uh, one of the funnest uh, initiatives we've had in the past two years is actually we discovered one of our employees, one of our teammates has this wonderful foundation dedicated to foster parents to support people with the skill sets and the, and the tools to be a good foster parent. And there's just, there's need everywhere in the world. And it's just tremendous need everywhere. And so we've taken that on as a cause within the company for two years now from shoe drives and backpack drives. And they just are doing great work in the county right next door to us where a lot of our employees, our teammates live. And that's been fun to watch. And we think there's a lot more room to go, but you can feel the change and the groundswell of support happening. And that's on the way to building a high-performing culture. And that's what, really what we're after. It can certainly be very contagious. And especially once you start 
seeing the results and the impact of that. What have been the outcomes so far from some of these initiatives? How are things changing there as a company? When I got here, turnover was unacceptably high. Part of that was COVID. So I want to be really clear that it's not just because of the the new leadership team, but uh, we've reduced turnover from around 20 plus percent down to sub 1%. One of the things we looked at early on was a global reset of titles and compensation and worked very hard and spent a lot of time and, and a good bit of money to get that right. We looked at all 180 roles in the company and measured that. And then we brought it right down to the local level. And it cost us a bit, but we had to get that right and get competitive comp plan. And we found lots of our people were right in line, but some were quite a bit under. So we reset the entire company and made that statement to our people that this, we can't say we're a great place to work unless we live by the things that, that get us there. And so we, we did that. We enhanced and looked at every single component of our benefits package and all the other tools that help make us competitive. And we did that reset, uh, hugely supported by the board. And that has resulted in a part of a significant reason that the turnover has reduced quite a bit. What's really interesting is we have a lot of rejoiners and a lot on a percentage basis, not a lot to maybe the biggest companies out there. Several folks, almost 10 people now in less than 18 months who left a number of years ago who were really solid contributors. And the word's out. Caused the phone to ring. And, and in fact, our people here were almost the biggest advocates of that, calling former teammates to say, you know what? It's not the same place. You should come back. And we're just delighted to welcome them back because you got to check your ego at the door and your pride as the company leader. Come on in. Those people contribute on day one. And it's just fabulous. The other thing that it's done is help this groundswell of support that Susan just discussed, but it's also helped us attract the younger talent that the insurance industry so badly needs. And again, it used to be a place you would retire from. And now I think the view is getting along the path of, this is a great place to build your career and have some fun doing it. So it's really reduced turnover. It's made us a very attractive employer, employer of choice. Certainly that's what I worked hard to build in the UK. And certainly we were on the path here in the States. And we have been recognized that by top workplaces and a couple of other folks who have named us a top workplace in America. And again, we've never been named anything in 30 years in that regard. So we're delighted with that. We want to keep it going. Thank you for that, Todd. Really inspiring stuff. It brings us nicely onto the espresso round there, where the questions are short, sharp, and to the point. You've both got your Americanos. Are you ready for the espresso round? Let's go. The espresso round. If I can ask you one piece of advice you would have for someone coming in to interview there, whether that's a leader or staff member, what's the one piece of advice you'd have someone coming in to interview for you there? Don't be a candidate who just says what you think you need to say in order to get the job. I think you need to not shy away from asking tough questions that are challenging to the person you're interviewing with. As we look across the insurance industry and we look at other insurance leaders who are looking to hire great talent, also retain them like you've done there, that's a huge turnaround you've done on retention there. What would be the one recommendation or piece of advice you would your contemporaries there? 
Todd talked about walking the floors. We had a team member who admitted a few weeks ago that you know he walks around and there are people that are working in cubicles that he passes that he doesn't even know what they do. So my advice is, you know, make it part of your day, part of your routine to stop and talk to someone briefly. We have we have some people that we don't want to monopolize people's time, but introduce yourself, talk about what you do, ask what that person might do and um, learn more about overall company, not just your immediate area. Because I think that is something we're still working to knock those walls down between our departments, as an example. That's my advice. It truly is toned from the top. And I think a quality leader, and I've got plenty of faults, but I do think that being genuine, being humble and knowing your stuff is a crucial skill for any leader. And I'm delighted that we've got a lot of that around our company. And we're working on the younger generation to bring that out. We send several folks off to kind of leadership school, so to speak. And we also have teams and forums within the company that help foster some of that. So as a leader, I expect my experts to be experts. And I don't lord over them. You have a right not to work for a jerk in life. And I'm delighted to say that we're improve the culture uh, greatly. Hopefully that translates down to the next generation, that we can foster them into leaders in their own respect. Not everybody needs to have a C level by their name. There's amazing contributors across our business and all businesses. It can have tremendous impacts on people's careers and their lives. And we're just looking for that next generation to grow them up as well. One of the things we've done is sponsor the National African-American Insurance Association scholarships. We're seeing good traction out of that in the industry. And I'm delighted that one of my senior leaders who's been also with me in three different companies now, part of my leadership team for 20 plus years at three different companies, African-American gent named Tony Barner. And he's just been a tremendous success in the industry. He knows his stuff. He's a wonderful, heartfelt leader, servant-based leader. And uh, we need more examples like that in the industry. So we're looking for ways to support that. We don't talk about it much, but we need to talk about it more. And how do we get that next generation of leadership. I know that's a bit off piece, Nick, but it's just essential that we help develop that next generation. That's an essential duty of leadership here, in my view, of all the companies out there. And that's applicable from building businesses from the ground up or coming in no and, question. and over an organization as well. It's really, really key. Yeah. It could be, it's strange about insurance. People talk about how rigid and, and staid it is, but you can be a tremendous entrepreneur as well. I swung a hammer as a young guy. I paid my way through college swinging a hammer and framing houses and didn't come for much, but a wonderful family. We just have got to keep talking about the wonderful things that insurance is and can do for a career for young people. Todd, thank you so much for that. That was really inspiring. I can't believe we've almost reached the end of our time today. It's gone so quickly. But before we go, though, can I ask you, as you're building, as you're growing the business, why would someone come and join Builders? What's the attraction of coming to work for a company like Builders? Financially strong. So one of the hallmarks of our company, we also rebranded the last two years. And, mm-hmm. and that brand, that that new icon, that we call it the Builders icon, is essential to our future. It really is very forward-looking. If we're going to be among the best of the best, we've also got to look and feel like the best of the best. And so one of the mantras we have around here is called Built Strong. We think we're a company that is built strong. We're strong financially. We've got strong talent and competence around this business. And we're seen that way by our insureds and our agents. And so I think for a person coming in, we're built strong as a company and we can help you be built strong as a young professional or a mid-career professional or later career. We're delighted to have all aspects of talent here. I think it's really important today's day and age with the economy the way it is and 
the uncertainties of, of the future. We're built strong. Come here. Solid, sensible place to work and build your career. And also maybe even have a bit of fun and, and impact your community while you're doing it. That's my view. I'm a chief cheerleader, and um, I can't say enough about coming here because you can have the opportunity to work for leaders like Todd and our executive team. They're all inspiring, all very experts in their field. You have the opportunity to contribute as much as you'd like. We say yes, we don't say no in most cases. So I can't speak highly enough about the organization, and it's just an exciting time to be here. And great coffee as well, which is very, very important. Guys, thank you so much for joining us in the Insurance Coffee House today. It's been a pleasure to have you both on the show. Really, really great to hear about builders. Love to invite you back, maybe 18 months, two years' time. It'd be great to see how the business is doing because I'm sure you're going to go through a, a very good period of growth over the next couple of years. So thank yeah. you for joining us. We'll also post your contact details on the show notes. So if anyone's thinking about a career opportunity at the moment is interested in, in builders, they can reach out directly to you. Yeah, thanks, Nick. What a pleasure to be on your show. Congrats on your success and what you're doing for the industry overall. Your library of content is really powerful. There's a lot of lessons in there from other participants. So congratulations to you. But on behalf of the industry, at least from my perspective, thanks for what you're doing because it's essential work and it's really helpful to folks out there. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.